Hello and welcome to Bombatho, the Scandinavian La Liga podcast. A slightly under the weather Bombatho, the Scandinavian La Liga podcast, because I've with perfect timing have been uh, struck down with what I hope is the flu and not the thing. I'm pretty sure it's not the thing, but you know, if you're near me, you might want to wear one of those face masks. Alexander Jonsson, who you're going to be near me within a week. Uh, does that make you excited? How are you? Uh, well, I'm trying to stay as far away as I can from you right now, at least. So I'm in another country. Uh, but hopefully um, we will have a healthy Lee that I will, will meet in, in about a week. Otherwise, I'm not sure if I want to be close to you. So, you know. It's a good rule in life. So yeah, we had to state the obvious. We had El Clasico this weekend. We'll talk about that. But I think we should start with uh, Alex's weekly Scandinavian roundup of a kind of Meh, weekend for... I don't know, am I being fair? Meh, weekend for some Scandinavians in La Liga. It was okay. Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of a meh. Uh, well, we, let's start with uh, Valencia and our uh, dear Dane Daniel Vaz. Uh, Valencia won 2-1 against Real Betis. Uh, Daniel Vaz played 90 minutes. He did uh, make the assist to Dani Parejo's goal, which was the second goal, the 2-0 goal of the match, a very important goal. Um... And that was his sixth assist this season, which I think says says quite a lot still about his importance. Even if he's the, the Scandi we talk the least about on this mm. podcast, because there is the least to speak about wh- when it comes to him or, or have been this season. Uh, he's still a really good player and he's still doing a big impact at Valencia. So it's worth noting. Uh, moving on to the next one, it is another Dane. Uh, Granada and Salta de Vigo played nil-nil with Pionicisto starting this weekend. He played 70 minutes. And to be honest, his second half is not something that anyone really wants to watch. Uh, but I did make a, did think a little bit about Sister this week because we've seen him previously coming off the bench a lot, starting on the bench, and there's been a, a lot of complaining uh, in, in Vigo about why Sister is not starting because he's been one of the key players and, and been so good lately. Um, and I think this game kind of proves a little bit why he's normally starting on the bench because I think he's actually a much better coming off the bench player than starting player, at least been this season and at least been under Oscar Garcia. Is when he comes off the bench, he comes in with energy and intensity and I think they get so much more out of him. Um, and I think this was just a try from Oscar to see if he can get that from the start. Um, that didn't really work. So I, I think we're going to see Sisto back on the bench and being that player coming in with, with energy going forward. Uh, moving on to Real Sociedad, where we have two Scandies. Uh, they won over Real Madrid at home 1-0. Martin Odegaard played pretty much the entire game. He was substituted in the very end. He played 92 minutes. Uh, still, same kind of Odegaard as we've said the last few weeks. Nothing extraordinary, but he's not horrible either. He's still... Uh, a quite decent player. If, there were <laughs> flashes of quality, you would say. Sort of exactly. Flashes. And uh, the Swede, Isaac, he played 62 minutes. And again, it's, it's become this switch with him and William Jose that before Isaac was the one coming on in the six, second minute or the 15th minute. And now it's that way around with Isaac being the starting player. Um, and I mean, we shouldn't really complain about him. He can't live up to the standards that he did a few weeks ago where he was every game in and out. You can't expect that from him. He's doing okay. Uh, but not, it's same as with Adegard, nothing extraordinary to take from this game either from, from him. And then the last one was the El Clasico, which we're going to go a lot more deeper into in just a few seconds. Real Madrid-Barcelona ended 2-0. Martin Brathwaite came on in the 17th minute. was the first substitution for Barcelona to come on. Uh, played 20 minutes, more or less, and had a really good chance to start with. But we're going to get a lot more deeper into that, so 
that's all we're taking to start. Uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. We'll see if we get time later to touch a little bit more on Isaac and Odegaard. But in any case, we'll see them in the flesh again next week. And Martin Brathwaite for that that matter. But yeah, so El Clasico. I kind of don't want to use the cliche and say it, but I'm going to anyway. I feel like it wasn't a classic Classico. And I'm curious to hear what you think about the quality of this game. Because for me, I think it was better than the previous one this season. But I think it is in continuing with a downward trend in terms of the overall level of quality in these games. And I thought it was interesting to observe, and it's obviously just online, so I don't know what everyone in the world is thinking, but observing the sort of neutral perspective on this, so people who are maybe not Spanish football fans, but who twice a year will tune in for that particular game. And I noticed quite a few people saying like, eh, this hasn't been great. This is not what we're used to. I saw a couple of people comparing it to what Liverpool against Man United had become maybe a few years back when it lost a little bit of its sting and a little bit of its uh, energy and I find it hard to disagree I thought that there were moments that were exciting but I felt like for a lot of it both teams were kind of playing within themselves and in the end they, they both went for it a little bit more but for a large part of the match it felt like they were kind of content for it to not be anything too tricky at either end of the pitch either what, what did you think yeah well I think that Obviously, that El Clásico has lost a lot to to previous years, but then we also have to remember that it's just a few years ago. I think we we saw the peak El Clásico when we had Guardiola Barcelona, when Mourinho was at Real Madrid, and also around those teams before and after. It was some of the the highest level of football I think El Clásico has ever seen. So it's it's quite normal that we are not anymore at that level. Uh, but I also think it's quite important to remember that we're not at that level and not really to, to expect that. The El Clasico is also about both teams. I think you have to, to remember that, for instance, Real Madrid had a really good second half here. But how good is that half when you remember that Barcelona is not playing re- really well? It's like if if not both teams are at that level, it's harder to, to reach the next level. You can't just, uh, one team can't just be playing good. And to, to be frankly honest, I don't think either of them are, are playing that well. Real Madrid better, uh, of course. It's also the, the winner in this game. But I also think that this season, they have more going for them than Barcelona do uh, overall. Uh, but it's just two teams that are not at that level anymore, that are not what they used to be. And it's easy to try and kind of expect that to be the case. It's El Clasico and you know what El Clasico have given you before. Uh, but they're just not there anymore. And uh, you just have to remember that, I think. I do feel like I have this overwhelming feeling and I've had it for a couple of years now that La Liga really missed the boat here a little bit because they're sort of now making a quite admirable and a really impressive international push to try and get Spanish football out to international audiences and, and really making a putting a lot of resources into that. And I, I feel like... Had they done that 10 years ago when not only were these two teams the absolute pinnacle of, of football anywhere in the world, but then you had the sort of ascent of Atletico Madrid and then you had these sort of flashes of brilliance with Sevilla dominating in the Europa League with Malaga even coming through and getting really close to going far in the Champions League. They could have profited much more from that. And I, I just feel like it's a little bit of a shame that now the time that, that a lot of people are being exposed to this is when most of these players are a little bit on the wrong side of their best football and the teams in general are not really playing the, the way they used to, that there was a little bit of a missed opportunity there because the Premier League, I mean, obviously the, the, the environment's changed and the way that people watch football's changed, but 
even 10 years ago the premier league's international presence was huge so you could still do it back then and you could still take advantage of it and they continue to take advantage of it from this day and i feel a touch like la liga kind of missed the bus with this and it's a little bit of a shame it's bittersweet for me yeah i, I completely agree i think we we are a little bit past the the peak la liga moments we have some things that are really fun and interesting with la liga right now uh, which i like that you have an entire league where every single team is playing for something there is is no team that is in something in between everyone is in very few points range of, of playing for something if it's Europe if it's relegation or if it's uh, to win the title uh, but the, the quality level even though it's still good it's not what it was it wasn't such a high a few years ago and as you say it's not just Barcelona Real Madrid we had in Europe it was Spanish teams winning the, the Europa League every season it was Spanish teams doing the big things in, in all of the competitions and, and going far and I think there was in knockout stages in Europa League, but also in, in Champions League, it was very, very few times that a Spanish team was knocked out, but not by not a Spanish team. Um, and we're not really at that level anymore. It's uh, because, which is, it's also makes sense because the, the players who are the key players, maybe if you want to say a golden generation, not just in terms of Spanish football players, but in terms of La Liga players yeah. uh, that we were going through, those players are now either retired or gone to, to play off their last days in, in some league far away or they are at the, the end of their careers and just not at the same level as they were as then and we haven't really gone the transition yet so we I think La Liga in a way is in a transition period as we say with teams sometimes but you can say with an entire league so I completely agree with you that it feels a little bittersweet that this push to actually uh, make La Liga big and make people see La Liga is coming during this period uh, instead of just a few years before where it, I think, would ha have made a lot more sense. So let's talk about some of the details of the game that stood out. The first one to me is when I saw Kiki Setien starting lineup, I was a little bit concerned that the game might not be the most thrilling or it might not play out to be because there's two things that made it clear to me. The first one was that he went for Samuel Untiti at the heart of the defense, which said to me he was already feeling concerned about how Barca would play out from the back and how they would do with Real Madrid's pressing. And then the second one above all is the fact that he opted for Arturo Vidal as a sort of fourth midfielder, if you like. I mean, ostensibly, he's you, you could say he's starting up front, but he wasn't at all. He was, And the, the reason he's there is to be an outball, which we've seen quite a lot in recent weeks. Barca, where Ter Stegen, after attempting to play out from the back two or three times, Ter Stegen will play a long pass, and because he's so good, he can pick out Vidal, and because Vidal's really good in the air, he almost, uh, you know, 50% of the time, let's say, wins the ball, and that allows him to get out of a high press, and because Madrid had pressed so high against Manchester City so successfully for quite a lot of that game, because this this team under Zidane, it doesn't wait as much as, as previous Real Madrid teams do. It's quite happy to go at you and press high up the pitch. Then that, that showed a de degree of concern from Barca, and it was almost like he was starting on a negative foot. And then the other, the flip side of that is, when Real Madrid have Marcelo at left back, there's a huge, huge opportunity there if you want to be a proactive coach to really attack that space, because we know, especially from this season, but historically, but more so now than ever, that Marcelo can be gotten that defensively. It's not his best defensively, even though ironically enough, he makes a great tackle in this game but he could have started Ansu he could have started uh, Brathwaite he could have even put Griezmann on top of Marcelo and had one of those other two forwards on the other flank but he didn't and that kind of cautious approach set the tone for me and it was a little bit disappointing and, and something of a again 
to reiterate a theme something of a missed opportunity from him and I think maybe in the end it backfired even though to be fair Barca have a couple of really good chances in the first half but no more than a couple so you know if they go in if Courtois doesn't make a couple of really good one-on-one saves then suddenly you know Setien's plan's brilliant and it worked perfectly and I'm trying not to be too resultadista as they say but I think in general it was a missed opportunity and I think that Barca could have taken more advantage of some of the weaknesses in the Madrid team and instead what they did is they gave Madrid a, a more comfortable position they didn't really trouble them as much as he could have if he had uh, been a little bit more proactive and I thought that was what we were going to see from Kike Setien I thought that was the kind of what the the, the USP the selling point of Kike Setien was that he's a proactive manager and, and in the end he's actually fallen back on a lot of the more cautious things that Ernesto Valverde was using as a coach at Barca and I wonder if that's just the harsh reality that fans are starting to see of where their squad is at right now and what the resources are that are available to them and just to to continue a little bit about team selection but moving on to to Real Madrid instead you you pointed out on Marcelo which I completely agree with that he's not the old Marcelo that when it comes to the defensive when it comes to to the skill and and, and things like that on the pitch and that's definitely the weakness of him that Barcelona did not uh, take advantage of but Real Madrid take it did take advantage of the strength of having Marcelo on the pitch, which I find was quite interesting, was just that he was in the starting lineup for, for Zinedine Zidane after the week that they have had, after how Marcelo has been this season. That was, I don't think a lot of people expected him to, to make the starting eleven. But I also think looking back at it now, it's always easier after the game to, to look at it. I think that, that Zidane got it, got it right in that sense, because what he got out of that was a player that gave 110% on the pitch. And even though if he defensively wasn't really up to the task, he wasn't tested in that way. Um, And he got away with uh, instead getting the attitude that I think when we look at El Clasico of the last couple of years or the last couple of El Clasicos in comparison to the the El Clasicos that we were talking about before that was the peak El Clasicos, I think that the teams that we have now and especially the Barcelona team don't have the same attitude in these these games. Before they had so many players that were Blaugrana since they were kids, who had grown up with Barcelona, who where El Clasico meant so, so much more. And and you could see that on the pitch. And I think that why also one of the reasons why Barcelona would win more El Clasicos than Real Madrid. Um, and Real Madrid had players like Igor Casillas, who cared so much about this game as well. And for me, what was interesting yesterday is that from Real Madrid, we saw a little bit of that, a lot more than we saw from Barcelona. We saw a few players who went way and beyond just to win this game. And this is not talking talking about the football talent, but rather about the will and the determination. And I think Marcelo was definitely one of those. We were talking the other week about Rafinha celebrating a throw in that, that Celta won and how important that attitude is. And in this game, there was one one point where we saw Marcelo celebrating getting the ball off Messi. Um, and, and that's a, a thing like that as well. After the game, the way Casemiro was going down on his knees celebrating, uh, the way Fede Valverde was running until he had no energy left and had to be subbed off. I think those are the keys for Real Madrid's victory uh, in many ways in this game, more than the football, because the football in this El Clasico wasn't the best. And that's where you need to have the will and attitude to want to win it. And Real Madrid really wanted to win this game a lot more than Barcelona did. 
And there's a consistency as well, the fact that it's Zidane that's in charge. They all know him, like the back of their hand, they all trust him. And especially after a, a week like Real Madrid have had, like or even more than a week with the dropping points against Celta, then losing against Levante and then losing against City, a lesser coach would maybe be questioned by his players. But because it's Zidane, they have that faith in them even in the, the difficult moments. And now this is huge because it completely ends, or not completely ends, but it really breaks that negative dynamic that they were falling into with the last few results that could have become, it could have spiraled had they lost and then there were five points behind Barca then it would have been full-blown Real Madrid crisis mode. One thing I want to point out really briefly, though, is that all of this is great, but if Thibaut Courtois doesn't, doesn't make about two or three really exceptional saves from 1v1 situations, then we're not talking about this today. And I think it's we have to be we have to be fair and give him some credit because he gets pointed out for his mistakes, and there have been quite a few of them since he's come back to Spain, particularly high-profile ones like the one that happened against Levante. But I still, I wrote this on Twitter and I really believe it. When he's concentrated for 90 minutes... He's still one of the best goalkeepers in the world. For whatever reason, he doesn't always seem to have that anymore. I don't know if it's confidence, if it's something psychological, but yesterday he was absolutely the difference between Real Madrid having conceded and having not a large portion of the game. 100%. Um, also, one more point that uh, I would like to, to speak a little bit about is uh, what's been talked about a lot, especially after the game yesterday in, in Spanish media and on Twitter and everywhere, is some of uh, Gerard Piquet's comments after the game which is very typical Europe Piquet to come with a comment that makes everyone talk about it. Uh, but he said that the Real Madrid in the first half was one of the worst Real Madrid sides that he's played uh, against during his time at Barcelona. And he got a lot, a lot of uh, shit for that comment. But I think he has a point. And I also think that, which I think a lot of people don't really think about or don't think far enough to, to kind of see, is that by saying that comment... He's actually pointing out weaknesses in his own team more than he is at Real Madrid. So he's saying that it was one of the worst Real Madrid sides he's played against and also in the first half because it was a little bit different in the second half. Uh, but they lost. So that must say that he also thinks that this is one of the worst El Clasico he's played uh, or been a part of Barcelona playing. Uh, and I think that's quite interesting. And being Piquet, and we know how smart this guy is, and that normally when he makes a comment, he knows what he's saying. Um, and the situation at Barcelona at the moment, for me, I would not be surprised if he made that comment wanting to point out without really saying it that we are, we are not at a good place right now. No, Piquet is someone who chooses his words very carefully. As you rightly pointed out, he's a highly intelligent guy. He knows what the subtext, not just the, the sort of surface meaning of what he says is, but what it also doesn't say, you know. He, he'll be very aware. And I think this is a, a subject for another time, but Barcelona are in this really fragile situation right now where apparently the, the trust between the people upstairs and the dressing room is completely broken. We've seen people like Lionel Messi, like Gerard Pique, like even Rakitic, I think, said something about the squad planning as well speaking out quite clearly about how they, they feel like they've been put in a difficult position by poor planning this season, about how they are concerned about the social media controversy that's going on right now, where Barca players were apparently or evidently targeted by a company that was contracted by some people at the club. So it feels like everything's sort of been held together right now by superglue or whatever, and it's just a at any moment it could crack and now if we see a, a few weeks where they go on to lose a few more games or they start to fall behind in the league or they go out of the Champions League 
it's you can't overstate what the domino effect could be here there's there's potential at any moment for this to all erupt but that's that's something for another time and we should probably return to the game itself i wanted to before we we sort of wrap up we got a few more things about a classical i wonder what you think like where do you think these teams are going to end up this season because my impression is that the team that wins a league is going to be the team that makes the fewest mistakes not the team that's better because i don't think for a, a minute that Real Madrid are now going to go on and not drop any more points for the rest of the season because the evidence has suggested they wouldn't and nor do I think that Barca are going to go on and not drop any more points for the rest of the season wouldn't even be surprised if they drop points next weekend we'll talk about that later what what do you think what's their what's their level where are they going to finish here no but I agree I think just as as we said before that these two teams are not at the level that they used to be I think Real Madrid is in a better position than Barcelona Um, I think that Real Madrid is in a position where they are trying to build something, uh, but they haven't really managed to do it yet. And they're trying to figure things out. Whilst Barcelona is in a position where they're just completely stuck and clueless at what they are even trying to do. Uh, And a club that you just pointed out is in a very, very difficult situation, more than just when it comes to to the football team or more than it just comes to the first team, but the club uh, itself, and that's going to play a part as well. I think what Barcelona has that Real Madrid don't have is that they have Lionel Messi. But then again, I think yesterday was probably the worst El Clasico I've seen Lionel Messi play. So even he's Messi. So the thing is that like the other weekend, he was scoring goals for fun. So... He, he still will get those performances out. And I think that is going to be the key for Barcelona. It depends, which is crazy to say and which should not really be the case. But I do think it depends a lot on Lionel Messi and on how he will perform, uh, how Barcelona will be doing. While Real Madrid, I think, as, I think as you say, it's going to be the team that does the fewest mistakes. I think Real Madrid as a team is in a better position and better spot than Barcelona are. But none of them are... Good. None of them are in a good spot, if, if we point it, put it like that. Yeah, the Messi factor is huge. And it feels like there's something fundamentally wrong that more is asked of Messi than ever when he's older than ever. Something is something is broken there in the, in the team and that's we could do an entire podcast on that. But why don't we turn to the, the Scandi that was involved in the game, Martin Brathwaite, who came on in the second half, made his classical debut, instantly had an impact, had a really good chance at the other end. I don't know about you, but I, I felt this was more a good save by Courtois than a miss from, from Brathwaite. He hits the target, um, he, he takes it early, as early as he can. And then you have a guy in goal who's very good in 1v1 situations, who is confident at that point because he's already made a couple of big saves from not least Lionel Messi at one point. So I don't feel like that's his fault. And then he, he creates a little bit of danger. One thing I saw, which I thought was a little bit unfair, but of course I'm willing to admit my bias here, is I saw someone calling him out for the, the Real Madrid opener that it was his fault that he didn't track the run of Vinicius. And I would say that, yeah, he, he's caught ball watching. He's distracted by Tony Kroos on the ball instead of the guy that's behind him. But... Where the hell is Nelson Semedo at this point? He's co- he's not even in, you know what they say in Spain, that you, you end up in the picture of the goal, you know, Salian in the, in the, fo- the photo or whatever. Like, Semedo's nowhere, and he's the right back. He's no, he's completely out of possession. He had a disastrous second half, actually. That's another thing to point out. So whilst, okay, maybe Brathwaite should have been a bit sharper and should have tracked to Vinicius behind him, he's been on the pitch for about three minutes. I think it's a lot to expect someone that's just come on the field to play to be fully aware of everything that's going on around him and to think, okay, I'm deputy right back now because my colleague, is completely out of position has been sucked out dragged out of position by Karim Benzema who was brilliant actually in the build up for that goal I think that for someone who's just come to Barcelona who's just played barely played for Barcelona yet um, and 
this being his first ever El Clasico, uh, a few weeks ago he was playing on the other side of, of Madrid for Leganes. I think you can't do anything else than than think he did a really good first El Clasico. I think he did a you can't expect more from him. He almost, as you say, the, the first chance he got there, the fact that he's getting to that chance, uh, and I think he's doing it really well. Like you said, I, I think it's more a, a brilliant save by Courtois than, than anything else. Um, and that he has that instant impact when he comes on. Then he kind of fades a little bit out of the game and isn't as, uh, doesn't have the same kind of impact and Real Madrid takes over the game. But it's it's not on him at all, I think. Uh, and I think we, as l- looking at it now, we might be biased a bit, but looking at the circumstances, looking at when he gets into this team and this being his first ever El Clasico and everything that an El Clasico is, uh, I mean, it's even how bad the teams might even be. It's still the biggest game in, in Spanish football, one of the biggest games in the world and all the pressure, everything that is all around it. Um, I, I think we it's... We have to be think that that Bradwood did a very well first El Clasico in my my Set, opinion. I agree. I think Setien bottled it as well. I think he could have started them. Having seen seen what Manchester City did to Real Madrid, where where Gabriel Jesus making those diagonal runs in behind was was really threatening. He could have replicated that with Brathwaite had he started them, especially with Marcelo starting at left back. And the second he came on the pitch, he did exactly that. So I think that. Yeah, the, the coach has to take a little bit of stick there for, for getting his calls wrong. I wouldn't be surprised or I would hope that we'll see Brathwaite starting at the weekend against Real Sociedad, actually, because I think he's earned it now. And let's be honest, uh, Griezmann isn't exactly pulling up any trees at the moment. Barca could do with a little bit of energy and a little bit of uh, fresh ideas up front at the moment. But yeah, that's that's another story for another time. So you're going to run us through, now that we've got another Scandi playing in El Clasico, I would imagine it's the first since Slatan. Am I right? That is the case, yes. Looking at my so notes. tell me how some of our historic Scandies in this giant game then. Yeah, so we have had quite a few Scandies in both Barcelona and Real Madrid, but there's a few of them that never got to play uh, El Clasico. But of those who did, um, so if we start going through the Danes, the one who has the most Clasicos to no surprise for anyone is, uh, of course, Michael Laudrup, who for Barcelona played 15 El Clasicos, scored two goals. And for Real Madrid, he played... Um, Four El Clasicos, so 19 in total. So that is a number that is going to be very difficult for Brathwaite to to beat or for anyone. Um, after him, it is uh, Henning Jensen, who played for Real Madrid. Six El Clasico, has scored four goals. Uh, so I think that's the man with the be- best stats that we have. That that I was impressed and, and surprised when I saw that because I did not was not aware of that. Absolutely. Uh, then we have uh, Alan Simonsen, who played for Barcelona. And I find this kind of f- funny because we have had a Swede named Agnes Simonsson, who played for Real Madrid. This is different times, but still, very similar name. But Alan Simonsen, the Dane, played 6 El Clasico for Barcelona. And then uh, all of our favorites, Thomas Gravensen, played 2 El Clasicos for Real Madrid. Love Tommy Gravensen. The Swedes, we have no Norwegian who's played any El Clasicos. Uh, I guess Martin Adegard is the next one to come. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I even checked. He didn't even play a, a B-team El Clasico, if you want to call it that, because they were in separate divisions, Barca and Castilla at the time. So, uh, But the Swedes have not been as successful as the Danes in the El Clasico, so Brathwaite is the right type of Scandi for, for this occasion. So we have Patrick Anderson who played several years for Barcelona, but he was only in the squad once in an El Clasico, sat it out on the bench. 
so not much to report there. Then we have uh, Henrik Larsson, who played two El Clasico, and what happened for him during the El Clasico is that he got an ACL injury. Uh, I remember this very clearly. He uh, first got injured, stayed on the pitch, and decided to keep on playing because it was El Clasico. It was so important. Uh, but he had, a, I, I think it was like five minutes later, they had to take him off the off on the stretcher for the second time in the game. And, and then he was out for six months, five months, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, the last one that you mentioned, Slatan Ibrahimovic. He played one El Clasico and scored one goal. So, so that's pretty good stats. They won that game 1-0, as I think most people recall as well. So that was uh, a good Slatan stat. But that's, that's what we have. So Martin Brathway could easily if he plays a few more <laughs> more classicos and manage to get a goal uh, go up in this uh, this ranking a little bit but it's Henning Jensen who is the one to beat I'd say six El Clasicos at four goals that's quite something so yeah a decorated history of Scandies and El Clasico to which Martin Brathwaite joins I must say as well the Zlatan goal is one of my favourite classical goals just the it's perfectly simple but brilliantly executed with the cross and then the finish um, but yeah it's uh, it was actually surprising. There's more more Scandies have played in this game than you would think. Some people that maybe slip under the radar a little bit. I'm not that surprised though when it comes to the Danes. Michael Loudrop, the stat that gets rolled out all the time. I think I'm sure we mentioned it on the the podcast is that he scored in back to back classicals for two different teams. Let me start that again. He won back-to-back 5-0 Classicals for yes. Real Madrid and Barcelona, I think. I think he scored in one of them. He at least assisted in another. Anyway. He, uh, he scored in two Classicals for Barcelona and he assisted in one of the Classicals for Real Madrid. So I think you're there you right go. there, but no goals for Real Madrid in no. Classicals. All right, so we have absorbed all of our reasonable time for today, I think. Next week, Bombazo Pod will come to you live from the camp now. We're going to see a Swede, a Dane hopefully, and a Norwegian playing uh, in a La Liga match when Barcelona hosts Real Sociedad. I'm really excited about this. And on the way there, I'm going to stop by uh, Copa del Rey semi-final as well to see see a Swede and a Norwegian. So next week, I think we're going to speak a little bit about Real Sociedad and a little bit about Martin Brathwaite again, or a lot about both. Yeah, we have to cross our fingers too, because I think that the Copa del Rey tie is more delicately balanced than some people might think. Definitely. I think that this is not going to be easy for Real Sociedad at all. Historically, just in knockout competitions in general, the, when, you lo- when you win 2-1 at home, it's often very, very difficult to go through uh, because the, the opponent team just need 1-0 at home and all the psychological part of things that comes into it. It's a huge game for Mirandes, obviously. Uh, it's a huge game for Real Sociedad because they haven't uh, been anywhere close to a title since the 80s so uh, it, it's gonna be a big big game and I just realized that the stadium that the Miranda stadium is very very small it's one of the smallest I think it's the second smallest stadium in Segunda División uh, or third smallest or something like that it takes five or six thousands thousand and, and not more um, so it's going to and I can tell you that I've I'm going to the game and it was not easy finding a hotel in in small Mirandes so I think there is going to be a lot of Real Sociedad fans coming and it's going to be quite a quite a spectacle Real Sociedad fans are one of the better fan bases in La Liga for traveling to away matches as well especially for these kind of occasions so it will feel like I I can imagine that in a small stadium like that you will feel the presence of the Churiordin and also geographically uh, Miranda de Ebro which is where Mirandes is from it's not that far away from San Sebastian. It's not in the Basque country, but it's just on the 
on the border of the Basque country. So I think from, from Bilbao, it's about one hour drive. I would say from San Sebastian is a little bit longer, but, but it's not far, far to go for the Real Sociedad fans, maybe two hours or something like that. Uh, so it's, it's going to be, be something, something quite special. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that the pod next week, you guys are probably not going to want to miss. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. I'm excited to be back at the office, to be back at the camp now, which I've not been to this season after many, many, many a day. Every time I leave that place, I think it might be the last time and then I always end up back there. So, I don't know, slight deja vu feeling. And let's hope that both teams are adventurous in the game. I know that Real Sociedad will be, but I hope that Barcelona will be. Until then, I guess it's time to say adele then, in the Catalan theme in keeping with our uh, trip next week. And you can say the local goodbye from Miranda, which I'm not really sure what it would be. Let's go with adios. Adios. I'll, uh, I'll learn that when I'm in Miranda and, and you'll, you'll get it next part. I'll hold you to it. <laughs>